Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello? Hi, how are you doing? Demetrius with an Ohio bias. I'm doing all right. I was hoping. Say again. Kyle, are you with me? Hello. Hello, hello. Hello. Hey, sorry about that. 
No problem, man. No problem. I figure uh, we just got a little sensitive system over here, so I had to <laughs> recalibrate so we could get it going again. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I, I pushed a button when he called the first time. Yeah, no, I answered yeah. it, and I, went, I started to talk, and then I actually pushed it. Well, I'm glad you're excited, man. you got to bring the energy. I've been pulling an all-nighter over here. so. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Man, I was on pretty late last night, too, but uh, I usually have uh, – I'm usually shot full of energy, so we'll see if that carries over. Very good, very good. Um Basically, uh, just want to go through the stuff like kind of went back and forth about um, nothing really too heavy. I was looking at this schedule. I mean, it's really not that much out yet. You know what I mean? I think the UFC and uh, even Bellator, they've learned their lesson of like making these huge projections, you know, for the whole year for these cards. So as I really started looking at it and, um, but there is some stuff to talk about. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. So, uh. But I want to get you to just, like, give people an idea of what you're trying to do with Loudmouth, and um, and then we'll go into, you know, uh, you know some of the fights that you might be excited about and stuff like that, and then, of course, finish up with, like, uh, I basically want to lead to a crescendo of a possible double championship defense in Ohio, talking about, oh, you know, so Cody awesome. and Stipe. Exactly. So I figured that's, you know what I mean? So we build up to that, you know. Um, yeah. And we can talk about their upcoming title defenses and then end with that. So that's basically my idea. And anything else you got you want to get in or you think would be good to talk about? Awesome. Yep. Sounds good. We'll we'll play it by ear. Okay. This is with an Ohio bias. Oh, one other thing. We're recording. So if it's an answer you do give or you get stumbled up or you, you want to get a fact or some stat in there, because I listen to your podcast, so I know how detail-oriented you get. Um, just, you know, we can stop at any time and we can, you know, go back. I can throw you a line again or throw a phrase. That way we can get that point in that you want to make about somebody or something. Okay, cool. Yeah, thanks. I, I should be all right, but we'll, okay. we'll see. All right. <laughs> This is with an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. And we got an exciting one here, ladies and gentlemen. Kyle Steele from Loudmouth MMA is with us. We're going to be talking all promotions, all fighters, everything that you can imagine. Uh, I don't get to have a lot of conversations about MMA. You know, I mention it as much as we can on our big podcast shows, but everybody knows I love it. And so we're so happy to have you join us on the podcast, Kyle, to talk about what you do over there and uh, just, you know, our favorite sport. I know. Hey, man, I'm excited to be here, and I love the energy. That's that's what we need. We're recording this pretty early uh, for, for for anyone to listen. We're recording pretty early, so this is some good energy. We need to keep this up the whole time. Oh um, no, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, right, I'm very very excited. Um, you know, this is. Uh, I was saying last night. Uh, I was on a. Uh, I was on a podcast out of the the guy out of the UK, and what I was saying to him, and I absolutely meant it. You know, this is my absolute favorite sport, and I've been a lifelong football fan. I'm, I'm wearing a Bengals hoodie and Bengals pajamas right now. I, mean, I am a lifelong football fan, Ohio football fan, of course. And uh, MMA is my favorite sport. It's it's the greatest sport on earth. Well, it's 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 not the number one for me. It's very close, um, just because it was easy for me to embrace it. Just uh, being a Buckeye and that lineage of wrestling, and then also Northeast Ohio, the lineage of wrestling. All my friends were wrestling. I wrestled through like you know freshman year. I mean, like it's just it's one of those things that just comes close. And then, of course, I think we all grew up fans of martial arts. If it's from Bruce Lee to uh, that viral video of Jackie Chan, you know, reuniting with his stunt team is floating around the internet right now. You know, so it's just something that has always stuck with us. And now to have the sport be at the the level that it is, that you can enjoy it, um, 
with the athletic competition as entertainment is just phenomenal. Uh, the reason that Kyle is on the podcast, too, he just uh, mentioned it. He's a Bengals fan. He's from Ohio, ladies and gentlemen. So um, the nine three seven area. So uh, Kyle Steele, mm-hmm. and, and that's where you get the connection with an Ohio bias. So and he is the host of his own podcast, Loaded MMA. Uh, Kyle, just give us a like why you started the podcast. We know why. I mean, we kind of know why now. The enthusiasm about MMA. But tell folks what they can get when you, you know they tune in to a Loudmouth MMA podcast. Yeah, so it is the Loudmouth MMA, not to be confused with the Loaded Joe's podcast, uh, which is a good friend of mine's podcast. Uh, but, yeah, so it's the Loudmouth MMA podcast. We, uh, you know, we, we, we're relatively new on the scene. And I say we, but it's it's me and a guy that does my marketing. Shout out to Phil if he's listening, uh, an incredible marketer. Um, you know, I reach out and get my own interviews, but in order for someone to agree to interview with me, I have to have a good presence online, right, or nobody's going to take you serious. So the reason why I'm able to do that is because of him. So shout, shout out to Phil. So it's definitely not a one-man show. So I definitely don't want to come across that way. However, I'm the one doing pretty much everything, <laughs> you know, getting the interviews, I'm doing the interviews, and, uh, you know, I have a couple friends who help me mix. and But, yeah, it's pretty much me over here. Um, but uh, We've only been around since kind of early November, uh, but in that time span, man, just gotten a chance to talk to some of the biggest names in the sport, and it has been a dream come true. I mean, this is something I'd always wanted to do. I knew that I'd always wanted to start a podcast. I wasn't quite sure what it was going to be. You know, I've played fantasy football for years. I mean, I, this year I played high stakes. Well, last year too. Last two years I've played high stakes fantasy football. You know, with FFPC, I mean, I've really put a lot of money and a lot of capital and stuff into fantasy football. So I kind of thought I would do a fantasy football podcast. That's not what I ended up doing. Uh, I thought I would do a politics one. I, I had a buddy that we were going to do like a political podcast. Yeah, I mean, I so I always knew I wanted to do a podcast. I just wasn't sure what it was going to be on. And, you know, I finally landed on MMA and said, this is, you know, this is the niche that I want to get involved in. And, uh, yeah, it's been an absolute blast. Yeah, you talk about some of those guests that you had on there. I mean, everybody from when you when you launched with Robin Black to uh, the the president Ray Sifo, you know, um, and then recently you had Justin Liddell and Jared Brooks, who uh, Jared Brooks fighting the night. So I mean, on that UFC fight yep. night card. So I mean, I mean the guests. I mean, we're not talking. You know, uh, he he's not talking to the Octagon girls, ladies and gentlemen. He's getting the the names you want to hear and and the stories that you want to get from MMA. Um, Bruce Buffer, too. I can't forget about him. Oh, wow, yeah. Bruce Buffer, who just appeared in Kentucky for the big game down there and said, uh, are you ready to round ball? So, no, no. That's oh, he's great, man. He's great. Yeah, Michael Buffer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but Bruce is, was great. I mean, that was that was the first time other than – so my first interview – it wasn't the first interview that we posted, but my first interview was actually Justin Ledette. He was going okay. through a little bit of a hardship right now, so I definitely want to reach out to him. But my first interview was actually just like that. And uh, I was shaking, legitimately shaking before I started. And I, I'm not really a nervous, a nervous person. But I just knew, I kind of knew right then and there, like, what was on the line. You know, that if this interview didn't go well, this is my first interview, this is my first time releasing anything. If this doesn't go well, that I, you know what I mean, I'm not going to do this, right? Like, I didn't, I didn't even have a channel at that point. Because I, you had to submit episodes to iTunes in order to get the RSS feed. So I literally had nothing. 
So I was so nervous for that interview because I just, I knew what was at stake there, right? I knew that, like, if this didn't go well, I probably wasn't going to keep going with it. Uh, the only other time that I've been that nervous was talking to Bruce Buffer. I mean, that was the only time that I, leading up to an interview, I was really, really nervous. <laughs> and I think, I think you can tell. I think if you listen to the interview, especially early on, I think you can tell how nervous I am because <laughs> I'm very, uh, I'm stammering and, uh, you know, I don't know. Was, I, I just think you can tell. Well, I mean, sometimes the nervousness, though, comes, I mean, it, you can get the enthusiasm and it, it, it brings out, you know, something in an interview uh, that might not have been there if you were trying to be too professional. So, you know, it it, it, yeah. it, it, it all it all it ends well sometimes, you know. Um one thing I want to talk about that you guys do, you do a lot of breakdowns and a lot of previews for events and recaps, but um, you cover, you know, all the angles. If it's, you know, wagers um, and DraftKings, something I'm more big on with the NBA, but I do dabble when it, uh, you know, cards that I think I, I can predict winners, you know, and I listen to a lot of yeah. podcasts, you know, to try to help me with that. Yeah. So uh, I definitely even used you guys today looking at that one, and it actually is a very favorable matchup. Um, you probably won't have time by the time you listen to this podcast, but uh, you guys did pick some winners out there, and I I, I did use your uh, service. Awesome, that's good. Yeah, we the the when I was initially doing the breakdowns, it was me and a buddy of mine, uh, and then he wound up just getting way too busy, and the schedule couldn't be consistent enough. So I started like reaching out to fighters and other people. So like one of my breakdowns for UFC 206, I actually broke that card down with uh, Josh Burke, who's the guitarist for the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Ooh. So that's who, I broke, that's who I broke the card down with, right? Like, so, I, so then that one, so I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do, right? Like, I know the, the um, guy from Bayside. I know he uh, is an MMA fan. So there's a couple other guys out there that are musicians that, you know, who I kind of know through a friend. So I was like, oh, I'll just start having, like, kind of celebrity people, so to speak, like, break these cards down with me. Well, that didn't really pan out. So then I started having fighters do it. So I had Albert Morales come on to break a card down. Uh, then that, I just couldn't keep that up either. So I started, okay, I'm going to reach out to these guys that gamble, and I'm going to have them break the cards down with me. Well, once I got MMA Profit on, I just knew. Like, I knew, I'm like, okay, that's it. Like, that's the formula. Like, that's the guy I should be doing this with. And then fast forward a couple more weeks, and I had done a podcast, you know, a couple of weeks prior uh, on the MMA edge where I met Sean and I knew how good he was at DraftKings. And I also just knew how personable he was, such a personable guy. And I was like, all right, why don't I have one person cover the gambling lines, one person cover the DraftKings lines, and then I'll kind of do what I do, which is ramble about nonsense <laughs> as it relates to fights or, you know, mainly I like the stories. So, if we're talking about Holly Holm versus Durandamy, I don't want to talk about the DraftKings lines, really. I don't want to talk about the gambling lines. I want to talk about the story, because right? there's a cool story there. I want to talk about Cyborg. I want to talk about Julia Budd. I want to talk about, you know, what this means for Bellator, what it means for the period of fighting, right? Like, I want to talk about that stuff and let, and let these guys who know a lot more about fight study talk about, the gambling lines and the DraftKings lines. But so I think what I want to do with these breakdowns is give you everything. I want to give you the story. I want to give you, you know, the advice you need to bet on Bovada or Five Dimes or if you're in Vegas, bet on Vegas. 
And I want to give you, if you're a DraftKings player, I want to give you all that information all in one place. That's kind of what my goal is. And I think the podcast has evolved to that, and it's reaching a nice mix and balance where even if you're not uh... – you know, trying to make a trying to turn you know, uh, a, a a dime into you know fifteen dollars, you can still just enjoy it for the MMA, um, just the MMA knowledge that you guys share. So you know, it might come in a, a different package, but at least you still can be prepared for the card. And you know, if you're sitting around with your buddies watching that pay per view or something like that, you can talk like you know what's going on if you're a casual fan. So I think that's cool as well. Yeah, and we want it to be fun. I mean, what, I write. I'm a writer. That's something, well, I wouldn't probably call myself a writer, but I do write. I write fiction. And some of the best advice I've ever heard was, it doesn't matter what plot devices you use. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, how how cool your dialogue is. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, how many metaphors you're using, right? None of that matters if the story itself isn't very good. So the most important part of writing is the story. Everything else is secondary, everything. And that's kind of how I feel about doing the podcast, which is you can have great information, but if it's not fun to listen to, then no one's going to listen to it. So I want to make the podcast informational, but also fun to listen to. Like, I, I want to try to be funny. I want to try to be loose. I want to be excited. I mean, I don't feign excitement. I, at no point have I forced any type of excitement, either right now or in any of the episodes. I'm just a generally excited person. But so that is something that I think about, though, which is this needs to be fun to listen to. Like, people are generally listening to these things in isolation, right? They're at home by themselves, maybe, or they're in the car, right? They're listening in isolation. So I want you to feel like you're a part of something bigger as you're listening to it. Well, if people want to be a part of something bigger, go ahead and drop how people can get to Loudmouth MMA. Um, just uh, We're going to have you drop it again, too, but all the social links and things like that, just so people can get it uh, right now. They can be checking it out as we're talking um, and getting that information on, on on how to, you know, get that great story, get those great stories. Yeah, so it's, we're on Twitter and Facebook. Those are the mo- the main outlets. It's just at Loudmouth MMA. I'm pretty sure that's even like if you do .com slash I'm pretty sure it's Loudmouth MMA. If not, just use the search function on either website, Loudmouth MMA. You can send me an email. If you ever have questions, if you want to tell me something, if you want to tell, tell me how much you hate me, which I get that too. Uh, that, that was, that was funny on the last podcast. You said just bombard those guys if you hate them. I thought that was pretty funny, but yeah. go ahead. <laughs> right. Yeah, leave, leave me alone, right? I didn't do nothing wrong. Tell them you hate them. Um, yeah, I mean, I was actually, that was one of the things I was talking about on last night's podcast that I, I was on. Again, that guy in the U.K., and uh, he was just talking about how people kind of troll him. I'm like, man, trolls are a byproduct of being successful because people see that and people have a tendency to lash out against this thing that they think they can't do. Right? They, want, they think they know more than you at that particular thing, yet they realize that their voice isn't going to be as loud as yours, and that causes them to lash out. So if people are trolling you, if people are lashing out at you, that's a good thing. Right? It means that your voice is rising above the rest, and that's what you're trying to do anyway. So just by doing that, you're going to get backlash. But anyway, that's sidetracked there. So <laughs> Twitter, Facebook, you can reach me at Kyle at loudmouthmma.com. Um, we do live fight companions as often as possible. Um, I don't know if this will be out in time, but we are doing one for UFC 208. So for the main card at 10 o'clock, swing on over to our Facebook page. Boom, live fight companion. If you're listening to this after 208, the video is still going to be there. You can kind of relive UFC 208. 
Now we do we talk about nonsense. I will I will warn you, we're probably not going to be talking about the fights for very much. I mean, we'll do it as much as we can. Like last time, the guy who was co-hosting with me, uh, he, he had his he, he's on Tinder. He has a Tinder account. So I basically was just going through his Tinder account and reading his message exchanges, which I thought were so funny because he does not have game. And uh, so I was just reading his exchanges out loud, and uh, that, that's basically what we do on these things. <laughs> just, it's just mostly nonsense, but they're fun to listen to, I think. And uh, it's live, so you get to be a part of it. You can comment, and we respond to every comment that comes in. You know, last one we had 200-plus comments, and we responded to every single one that came in. So definitely join us. As long as you're not breaking down the bachelor on there during the fights, I'm good with it. So, um, hey man, we, I mean, if somebody brings that up, then we probably will. Uh, although I have to just do some research because I know nothing about it, but I'll okay. talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about some of the things coming up. Uh, you, well, first of all, what was the, um, has any fight result surprised you so far in 2017? Um, as you look at the cards that we have already come through with all the promotion, has anything just, you know, you're like, wow, that was something that was unexpected. Boy. Um, so as far as upsets are concerned, I mean, that Anthony Hamilton fight was Anthony Hamilton just fought a newcomer. Now, Anthony Hamilton isn't very good. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not talking crap, but he's, he's not very good. Um, you know, and, and everyone kind of knew that going into that fight. But he was fighting a guy who he had a 50-pound weight advantage on. 50 pounds. You know, a guy who wasn't even a career heavyweight, a guy who had fought at 205, you know, for much of his career and basically had to put weight on in order to make the heavyweight minimum. You know, not the maximum, the minimum of heavyweight. So, there was absolutely no reason for Anthony Hamilton not, not to go in there and throw that guy around like a rag doll. You know, because the fight that was before that one, or it might have been after, I can't remember the order, it had to have been after. But it was Curtis Blades versus Adam Milstead, right, which there was also a huge weight disadvantage. Well, Curtis Blades was throwing Adam Milstead around like he was a child. I mean, and, and Adam Milstead's a big guy. It's bigger than Michael Fortuna, the guy who lost to Anthony Hamilton. I don't know if that's bigger than that guy. So why – I don't know who created Hamilton's game plan there, but whoever did needs to be fired because that was a horrific game plan. And everybody and their cousins were betting on Anthony Hamilton there. He was such a chalk play, right? If you, if you had a parlay going in Vegas, you throw Anthony Hamilton on it because there's no reason he's going to lose to this guy. Well, not only did he lose, but he lost quickly. And he got knocked out. Oh yeah. Which that that's one of the most shocking things that I've seen because I, I that, but that is you, those kind of things happen. Like you saw that last year, a guy who was on this UFC 208 card, Tim Boach, when he knocked out Rafael Natal. Yeah. Most people kind of had a chalk play on Natal. There it wasn't it wasn't super chalk, but it was close. I mean, everybody was kind of picking Natal there. And when Natal loses, you kind of went. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's Rafael Natal. Like, what did you expect? Well, it's kind of the same thing with Anthony Hamilton. I mean, Anthony Hamilton gets knocked out, and you kind of go, well, I mean, it is Anthony Hamilton, right? Like, I mean, there would have been no, there should be no reason for him to lose to a guy who, who weighs 50 pounds less than him, but it is Anthony Hamilton. So, I mean, I guess it's not too surprising. Uh, that's definitely, that's definitely a good one. That's definitely a good one. Um, 
Well, let's get to what's coming up here in 2017. Uh, the fights that you might be looking at and the fights that I, – I got a couple on there, which I don't even understand why we're having these fights again. Uh, but we'll get to that here in a second. Um, the one I'll bring up right now, just because I saw all the fanfare and whatnot, um, is the heavyweight fight by Bellator. I think we should start with in the return of Fedor um, against Matt Mitrion. Um, am I crazy, or is this – you know, I didn't think Fedor had anything left after the Rare Doom knockout, and now he's back. Do we really expect this to be a good fight, or am I? You know what I mean? Is this just going to be another one of these? We see one of the great legends, um, you know, go down in a heap, you know, in a bad performance. Uh, yeah. So I kind of expect that. You know, let's go back to when he he kind of made his initial comeback. Um, he he fought a guy. So when he made his first comeback in Ryzen mm-hmm. against, uh, well, I can't remember his name, but Jadip, I think was his name. I, I, anyway, it doesn't matter. The guy was 2-0. and oh. That was the guy's record. 2-0. Okay, and oh. Elaminko is 35-4 and four at that time. I mean, that is how, or Fedor, sorry, Fedor. Fedor is 35-4 and four at the time. That is insane to go up against someone who's 2-0. and I mean, that is absolutely, like, that fight should have never been sanctioned. Now, I'm looking at topology right now. I just pulled it up. He was a 1,700-point favorite. That's one of the biggest flip-flops I've ever seen in my life. I mean, what a, just an absurd fight. Like, that fight doesn't even count, okay? So then he goes up against Maldonado, which that's a legitimate fight, and he lost that fight. I know it says he has a majority decision. He lost that fight. And he was a 1,200-point favorite there. He lost that fight. So that's, to me, the biggest takeaway, which is Matt Mitrione is a, still a killer. I mean, he is a killer. You know, he's a guy who never should have been let go from the UFC anyway. Um, you know, his loss to Travis Brown was ridiculous. I don't know if you watched that fight, but it was a ridiculous loss. Travis Brown poked him in the eye like three times. That's not the know, one. Like that's that. not the fight where the eye swelled up. You're talking about that, that one? Was. Yeah, okay, that yeah, was. Yeah, that, that yeah, and, and that one, you know, we thought, oh, I'm trying to think of who was poking in the eye before that. That was before, uh, that, I think that was before the Romero controversy, or who else was the guy who was poking everybody oh, with, in the with, eye? With, well, Tim Kennedy's controversy before that was. Yes, Tim yes, Tim. that's what I'm thinking of. Yes, the Tim Kennedy, yes. So, like, I don't understand how the, the judges. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand how the judges were. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to refer to the Romero Kennedy controversy. I don't know how the judges weren't on notice, and then that fight gets to the level that it does, and we know that picture just went viral after that. It was crazy. So yeah, no. And Matt Metrion, he's been one of my favorite fighters since the whole Rampage Titties thing from that season of oh, Ultimate yeah. Fighter. You know what I mean? But he and he and you actually saw his development from that show to struggling in the octagon a little bit in some fights, and then actually showing that he did have the stuff. Um, and, and yeah, so it, this is this is one that it's, it's just a head scratcher. I mean, of course I'm going to watch it. You got me with the you know car accident vibe of it, but you know I don't think we're going to get the Fedor aspect of it. So maybe it's a great yeah, jumping I, point not, off. Maybe it's a great jumping point for Mitrion to get back to yeah, a higher level. Be. I mean, but but the thing is, you know, I definitely don't want to count out Fedor because at one time he was probably the greatest fighter in the world. You know, that's a guy who you, you never really want to count out. 
But, excuse me, Mitrione's only losses were, you know, basically against Congo, against a burgeoning Roy Nelson early in Roy Nelson's career, against Brandon Schaub when he was really, really good. Uh, and then, you know, the Ben Rothwell, Travis Brown back-to-back losses. Well, listen to Ben Rothwell by that choke really isn't that big of a deal because he's pulled that on several people. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember Travis Brown, we already talked about that, but he's beaten guys like Derek Lewis, which look how good Derek Lewis is right now. He's yeah. beaten Sean Jordan. He beat Gabriel Gonzaga. You know, this is a guy who he, he also fought Kimball Slice in the UFC. <laughs> Matt yeah. did. Uh, but anyway, he was a uh, an underdog for that one too. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, there's no reason for Matt Mitrion to not win this fight. We'll, we'll just say that. I mean, you don't want to count a guy like Fedor out because you don't really know what to expect from him. But just on paper here, I mean, there's no reason for Matt Mitrion to not go in there and, get, and win this fight and maybe even get a finish. Let's stick with Bellator. The big announcement over the past week was the uh, big London fight they got with uh, Rory McDonald making his debut there against Paul Daly. Uh, once again... Yep. I'm sorry if I get a little lukewarm on some of these matchups, but everybody wanted to see Michael Page get his shot. So I don't, you know, I mean, maybe they're holding that down the line, trying to get, I think, what, Donald signed a six-fight deal with Bellator. So maybe they're trying to, you know, maybe get a a back-to-back, you know, matchup where they can really, you know, uh, milk those tickets and milk that pay-per-view money. Yeah, so I'm probably in the minority in that I am 100% okay with this fight not being MVP. I would much rather see Phil Daly, uh, Paul Daly versus, uh, versus Roy McDonald. Like, I mean, legitimately. Um, and I think it's just because I'm not as all in on Michael Page as a lot of people are. I, I do, I find him interesting, but I also find, I find his stick a little tiring. And he's not able to back it up. You know, that hit he got on Cyborg was a once-in-a-lifetime hit. Now, you could say that, you could say the same thing about Daly, right, because he just got that crazy knee against uh, Derek Anderson, right, yeah. Derek Anderson? Um, so you could also say the same thing about him, right, two kind of one-of-the-lifetime knees. But that last fight with Michael Page was eye-opening, very, very eye-opening. And, and maybe I'm putting too much stock in it, but it was just kind of like there is a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy there, which – you kept going, okay, if this guy's not able to get some type of flashy finish, he is going to put on the most boring fight in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens? He goes in there, he's not able to get the finish, and it's one of the worst fights I've ever seen. So, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I just, he's not Anderson Silva. We'll just say that. He's not Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva could get away with that style because he was, otherworldly in his craft. I don't think Michael Page is there, and I have a hard time seeing him getting there. But I'm definitely rooting for it. You know, I want to see him get there. But I just have a hard time imagining he's going to get there. He's beat a bunch of cans. Right? Well, that's you know what, what I, I mean by that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's beat a bunch of cans. Yeah, jobbers. You know, and, and yeah. Yeah, you know, and he's never really fought anybody. So, And maybe that's why Bellator. Maybe Bellator is being smart here. They're going, hey, let's not ruin this guy, right? He already is kind of trending downward because of that last fight. Let's not throw him to the wolves now. Like, let's give him another one or two fights. Let's let him keep trying to learn, and then we'll have kind of no choice but to throw him to the wolves, right? Then you put him up against Daly. Maybe you put Michael Venom Page up against Derek Anderson, right? Like, poor Derek Anderson. But, like, 
you know, maybe you do something like that. Like, let's give him maybe a bigger name, but not one of those two guys quite yet. Because Daly and McDonald, more than likely, are the top people, you know, at, at 170. My biggest thing, and it's one of the things that I love about, you know, the fight game in general, um, whether it's MMA or boxing, is when somebody gets humbled and you see that drive and that, that to for them to you know sometimes they have to get humbled to get better you know so that's my thing with wanting to see Michael Page I wanted to see is it all is it all flash and like you said stick or does this guy really have it within himself to you know take his game to the next level so that that was my big thing you know and especially when a guy like you said he's been building up these numbers so I want to see him fight somebody you know I want to see him you know at the highest level of competition to see if he really is built for it or not and and you know because Lord knows he's telling us about it every opportunity he gets. You know, so you know what I mean. Like at some point, you gotta, you know, get in there with somebody that can really, you know, um, and and Styles make fights too. So I just thought stylistically it would be a better fight as well. Um, that a lot of times with me, I just want to see good fights. Like you know, but like you said, you know, what Michael Page are you gonna get if he's if he gets shut down? You know, then is he just trying to make it to the end of the fight? So um, I, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Uh, now the guy he did. Do I don't. I, here's my thing with it. Person. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so I was going to say, the guy that, that Michael's in a page to speed right there, he was 25 and 13. You know, I mean, that's a – now, I understand the record itself doesn't look great, right? It's a lot of losses. But, you know, that, that's 39 fights against the guy who was going in there with 11, right? He had over three times the amount of experience. So a guy like that is going to be able to game plan really, really well. So – to, to kind of talk up MVP a little bit, right, because I do need to do that, and you talk him up here a little bit, you know. He does enough for that for fought, himself, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he, he yeah, right. But he fought a guy who, you know, was able to game plan, you know, as much as anybody was going to be able to, right, in Bellator certainly, with, with just because of that level of experience, you don't have a lot of guys like that. Mm-hmm. And he still didn't lose, right? So that does mean something. Um, and the non-engagement was just as much Gonzalez's fault as it was MVP. I mean, Gonzalez had no – he wasn't trying to fight either, right? Like neither one of them were really trying to go in on one another. So, you know, it's not fair to put the entire thing on MVP. But, um, you know, maybe I'm, just be, maybe I'm being a bit harsh. I, I think I'm probably being a bit harsh. But I, I am – I'm excited to see MVP grow. I'm excited to see him get a big fight. I do. I personally think that this is better in the long run that he doesn't fight Daly and he doesn't fight McDonald here. I kind of like one of those guys picking each other off and then maybe fighting that guy next. You know, I don't know. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Any thoughts on or uh, you got any insight or have you heard anything or just, you know, speculatory opinion about the Brian Rogers uh, leaving? Oh, I don't know anything about that. Oh, you didn't see that? I don't know anything about that. No. Tell me me, me about it. Like two days ago, he said he was going to leave. He was going to leave and and take his career elsewhere. You didn't see that? Huh. I didn't. Um, Let me double double check. I could have swore. This was big news Thursday, either Wednesday or Thursday. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm sure you're right. <laughs> it was one of the things that I, I was thinking about as I was looking. I just happened to be looking for stuff that day just to make sure I was as current as I could be. It's one of the things I wrote down. 
I thought maybe you would have oh, to be able cool. to give us give me more on it. <laughs> That's what I was saying. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Cool. We, and we can cut out silence. That's not a big deal. We can sit yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That's not, no, yeah, no. I tighten up. Uh, I'm usually pretty. I try to be on the ball, but. Well, don't worry about it. If you see something about it, we can go back to it. So, um, Brian, Brian yeah. Rogers returns home for TKO win at Big Guns 22. Which Big Guns is that Ohio promotion. Yeah. It looks like he's already out. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Ah, see, I didn't even know this. I don't, I haven't, I wasn't even paying attention to it. So he must have, that's weird. Huh. wonder why they let a guy like that go. He wanted to leave. I'm, check ah. his, check his, check his Twitter. He did a whole thing. Like certain times, like I, the, the Cavs would just beat the Pacers Wednesday night. I'm trying to, like a lot of times I see stuff and I can't, fully go all the way into this story, but I see it and it sticks in the back of my mind and I wrote it down as something that I wanted to look back, but I figured it'd be something that would spark conversation and you'd be all over. That's the only reason I didn't go deeper into it. Um, so don't worry about it. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, this is, I, only, I only have so much in this brain, man. No, no, it's all good, man. It's all good. We can save it for our future, like, stuff like Because I, I only wanted – that's why I was trying to see if you knew more about it or maybe you would heard something about it. Because I really don't want to speak on it too much because I don't know too much about it. You know what I mean? Like, that's – so it's fine. Um, but, yeah, very okay. interesting. I, we can just wrap it up like this. Very interesting news. Uh, you know, one of the Ohio fighters uh, looks like he's leaving Bellator and Brian Rogers. So it would be very interesting to see how he proceeds with his career moving forward. Yeah, I wonder if he's wanting to, you know, he's obviously back in Big Guns now, uh, which is an Ohio promotion, and I'm wondering if he's just trying to angle into the UFC, that this this was the angle that he thought he would take. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Let's take a look real quick. Um, I know you're a big fan, and I, I, I want to get to something um, with women's MMA, something that you mentioned and the uh, breakdown that you guys did for this uh, Holly Holm um, fight card that, if she's successful, that it might be building up to a cyborg fight. Um, Dana White was actually positive about cyborg possibly getting somehow to leniency with that USA USADA doping uh, charges that she's facing right now. Um, but will we ever see cyborg fight somebody that actually has a level of skill to challenge her? That, that's basically what my my question is. If, if it is Holly Holm, I don't know if that's the fighter for her, but. Or is this something that, you know, she just becomes the legend in women's MMA that really was just, you know, uh, nipotent, basically? Yeah, I mean, she is a one-in-a-lifetime, one-in-a-lifetime talent. I mean, if someone can beat her, then I haven't seen it. I mean, obviously she has a loss, so kind of early in her career, um, but that that person she lost to, she would wipe the floor with now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, probably uh, other than – Cyborg, the best pound for pound, you know, one forty fiver, right? Again, other than Cyborg, is Julia Budd. You know, Julia Budd has beat the who's who of the one forty fivers and has never fought Cyborg. So, I mean, but that's it, right? Like, if she's not able to get it done, who who is going to get that? I mean. So let's just, let's speculate. Let's say Nunez goes up to 145, which she's talking mm-hmm. about. She, 
as nothing for Cyborg. Yeah, nothing. she can't grapple with her. She can't grapple. And, no. Yeah, yeah. Ho- Holly, Holly Holm is not going to be able to win a striking match against someone with Cyborg's ground game threat, right? Mm-hmm. And you've seen that. Any, anyone who gives Holly Holm a ground game threat, even someone who's much smaller than her, like in Misha Tate, uh, although Misha Tate is an incredible wrestler, but regardless. Yeah. Um, with the ground game threat that Cyborg has, Holly Holm doesn't stand a chance. Uh, Jermaine Duran to me, who I think is going to win at UFC 208, by the time you're listening to this, you're going to find out, figure out if I'm wrong, right, right or wrong, or probably wrong. But uh, either way, if either of them win, yeah, I don't think either of them stand a chance against Cyborg. So you got Julia Budd, who hasn't fought Cyborg, uh, but has fought pretty much everybody else at 145. So, you know, that'll be interesting. The other one that pops up um, into our mind is Conan. Um, from Bellator. Um, she is interesting, although she has already lost Cyborg. But yeah. she has gotten better since then. That was back in 2013. She's getting ready to fight Julia Budd. If she's able to beat Julia Budd, which I don't expect her to, but she's fighting Julia Budd for the 145 title. So Bellator is also creating a 145 division starting March 3rd. So, and it's going to be Julia Budd versus Conan. So, if Conan's able to win there, then maybe that's the person that fights Cyborg at some point down the line. Again, I don't know, but this is just, I don't know. No one could be, I mean, uh, just to wrap it up, because obviously I don't need to talk about it too long, because there's nobody. I mean, there's nobody outside of a man fighting her that's heavier than her, because I don't even think a man at 145 can really beat Cyborg in my mind. I mean, I know that's not, that's not true, but like, She's just an otherworldly talent, man. I mean, she is strong and very good at boxing. She's a black belt. I mean, she's just a she's just an otherworldly talent. She has heavy hands too, big hands and heavy hands. Ooh, buddy. Um, that yeah, with the KO power. I will say I will say this too. You know, she has a similar problem almost that you know if you look at that flyweight division for the UFC, uh, with Demetrius Johnson has like you know who is going to fight? Not unless you put a pride situation a la, or a la Digstown where they're taking on multiple fighters in the night. You're not, you know what I mean? There's there's no, yeah. I mean, just based on like you know us hardcore fight fans would love to see them in the showcase against anybody, but it's almost not fair to whatever opponent or you know that matchmaker sets them up with. So. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. How do you I see? How do you see? How do you see the rest of that women's division shaking out uh, now? Where you know the other two weight classes, um, whether it's you know one of the people that I'm hoping that makes a comeback and is able to make a run is uh, Kat Sagano. Maybe she can you know because I think she's so skilled, but we know her her off outside the octagon octagon outside the octagon issues that have derailed her career plus injury um but um you know and somebody else, I mean we got the fight coming up between Asparza and Marcos who you know both of them had never lived up to the hype that they or the, lived up to the potential that they showed during that season of tough um yeah. did somebody evolve yeah, the quiet storm has been very quiet um in her performances yeah. um she well, just quiet. I'm trying to think of who's that. Who did they used to say was a slow starter? They used to always be like, "This guy is such a slow starter." Oh my god, I can't. But I, I can't. If I think of who the person was, it'd be a great comparison. But she's just a slow starter. Michael I mean, Graves. Michael Graves is a guy who jumps out at me. He's a guy who just kind of slowly builds up, and then he like always finishes people in the third round. 
Yeah, or they're like, the fight goes right to the end, and you're like, man, it, where, where were you 30 seconds before that with that energy, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, right. Um, And then I think about the other division. I mean, one of my favorite fighters, we just saw the performance by Bullet Valentina, but a possible matchup between her, maybe Rose Namajunas is exciting. Um, yeah. uh, You know, both of those uh, moving their way up to try to challenge Joanna Jerchek, uh and then uh, somebody that's not even ranked, which I find this I was when I was doing a little preparation for this podcast. She's one of my favorite fighters. Just to throw out there too is uh, Courtney Castron Casey, who has had two great performances, fighter of the night performances, and uh, for some reason can't get in the Reebok Pay Club. Right? <laughs> yeah, Courtney Casey is uh, she's an interesting one. I mean, she is another person who I think didn't live up to what people thought she was going to be coming into the UFC. Um, was she on that season the tough two? I don't think she was. No, she wasn't on um, that season. Uh-uh. But, you know, but her only losses are against, and I know that it doesn't look great to lose to C.O. Ham, but C.O. Ham is such a weird fighter. I mean, losing to her really isn't that big of a deal, you know, and her last loss was against Claudia Gadea, who, yeah, no duh, right? I mean, like, that's the type of person you should be losing to. You know, like, it's, you know, it was kind of a weird thing when she got kneed in the head when she was down. Um, you know, before that, her last loss was against Calderwood. Calderwood's fantastic. You know? So, I don't know. Calderwood's another slow. Time. Speaking of Calderwood, she's another slow starter, but go ahead. Well, Calderwood is someone who is going to really, I think, do a lot better once the 125 is made, once the featherweight, mm. or once the flyweight division is made. Because she okay. she is a 125er, so uh, I, you know I'm excited to see her when that happens. The 125 is going to be a big deal when that happens. I'm very excited for that because I think that's where you're going to see a big push. I don't know if this 145 is going to be as big of a push, but here's the thing: Bellator and the UFC are doing it at one time, so obviously there's something there, right? There's something that I don't know. Well, I'm just hoping Courtney Casey. Courtney Casey has never won a decision. She has three knockout victories and three submission victories, no decisions. Yet, of her four losses, three of them were by decision. So she can't win a decision to save her life. But as long as she can uh, get the finish, then she'll, she'll win. Well, that's the potential that I see in her is that she does, she can finish fights. You know, that's a, a, these fights that go to the division, if you think about Carla Esparza, her fights, they, you know, you let those fights go to the cards. Um, and as far as actually is a great wrestler, but you know, you, you grapple along and you, you stay pressed to the mat and you let the, you let the judges decide it. And then you're, you know, I mean, I, I, I was about to say something bad. It was going to come off bad, but then you're upset about the decision afterwards. I was going to say whining about the judges, but that just sounds bad because she's a woman. Um, you're, you're upset about the judge's decision. I mean, you, you can't, you know, like, you know, the, the president always says you can't let it go to the cards, especially. And we're going to get to this when we talk about, uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about Stipe and uh, Cody Garbrandt. But you think about Stipe and fighting out in Arizona and the way those judges handle the cards out there. Um, you just can't let it, you can't let that be the way that you, you know, let your performance speak for yourself. So uh, that's why I kind of like the, I mean, you think about the current champion right now in that 115 division, uh, the straw weights with Joanna Jerchik, because she finished fights. You know, like, I mean, I think that, what, her second to last fight yeah. went to decision, but she tries to finish fights. She comes out with flurries um, and actually puts herself in a little bit of danger in some of those exchanges, but 
that's what people want to see, and that's you know that's what you know sticks with fight fans. Yeah, couldn't agree more, man. Could not agree more. Um, let's go ahead and get into some of these other fights coming down the line here, then. Um, and we are going to get to the Ohio champions, but um, do you see anybody in that featherweight division as we look through these divisions? Is there any fights that you're absolutely like, oh my god, this is must must watch? Featherweight, or did you say featherweight, or did you say just Feather, featherweight, welterweight? As you look through the divisions right now, um, we know the big ones that are coming up. We'll get to some of those. But is there anything like flying under the radar to you? Um, man, I'm under the radar. Well, let me be shameless real quick and say I've I've talked to both Mearscart and Ryan James. I've talked to them both, and they are fighting each other next weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's a really that's going to be a tough fight for me to watch <laughs> just because I, uh, especially Ryan James, I like Ryan James became one of my favorite people. Like when, just as soon as I talked to him, he became one of my favorite people. And uh, Mirskar, again, I talked to him later and he's fantastic. I'm like, why do these two people got to fight each other? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I can't, I can't root against either one of these guys. Um, so that, that'll be a fight that I'll be watching and I'll be very sad regardless of who wins. Uh, the main event, Derek Lewis versus Travis Brown next week. I don't know if it's flying under the radar per se, but big implications here. I mean, if Travis Brown loses, he's probably fighting in Bellator in the next couple months. Uh, if Derek Lewis gets a big win there, you know, he's really cementing himself for a title shot sometime this year. Uh, more so, I think, lining himself up with a head-on collision with Francis Ngannou, which would probably be the greatest fight to happen. I mean, if that, if that fight happens, I, I'm finding a way to get tickets to it. I mean, I want to watch Derek Lewis Nagano really, really bad. Um, that's just going to be an awesome fight. Uh, so you got UFC 209, which they haven't announced everything for that one, but uh, Lando Veneta versus David Tamer, uh, whoa, buddy, like fasten your seatbelts. That is going to be a hell of a fight. Um, I don't know if that's a fight that people are really talking about. And, of course, on that same card, you got Khabib versus Tony Ferguson, and you got the Woodley Thompson rematch. So UFC 209 is shaping up to be quite the card. I can't I can't get too excited about the headliner on that one. Now, I'm very excited about El Kukui, um going against Ooh, Khabib. You know, like, yeah, I mean, that one, I mean, especially considering the, the performances uh, that both of them, I mean, the streak of performances both of them have put back-to-back. Um, so that one definitely had, I mean, that one should be the headliner. That's good enough for me. Seeing Woodley and Wonderboy go again, it's basically giving Wonderboy a chance to find a way not to get knocked out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so I, I've, I've seen this movie before, you know, like, and I don't see it outcome anyway. And then, you know, I, I, I've got a, this is just a personal thing with me. I got a bad taste in my mouth with Tyron Woodley because it's like, if you had a problem with the UFC was handling race, you got to state that before you become the champion. I don't understand how anybody becomes a champion and then you say the UFC is not treating me right and it's because of my race when Lord knows they've bent over backwards to support, you know, other fighters, whether it's John Jones or keep Daniel Cormier paid, you know what I mean? And, so like, and, and Woodley for that matter. Tyler and and also him. they have set up every cross promotion and marketing campaign for Demetrius Johnson that I've ever seen. A guy that we already talked about can't, can't get a marketable fight because there's nobody, you know, that could be on his level. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
like, let's not forget with Tyron Woodley here. I, I probably have two things to say, um, not, nothing terribly controversial, but the one thing, let's not forget, okay, Tyron Woodley got a title shot against Robbie Lawler after coming off, uh, you know, basically a year layoff where he barely beat Kevin Gastelum and had to, uh, yeah, where he barely beat Kevin Gastelum. He barely beat Kevin Gastelum in uh, er, you know, late January of 2015, okay? Mm. That was the only fight he had, okay, barely beating Kevin Gastelum, and then he fights Robbie Lawler for the title in July of 2016. He took 18 months off, got a title shot. Now, he won, but you're telling me the UFC doesn't treat you good. Are you kidding me? You got, a t- you got handed a title shot. Yeah, and before that, he had he had a terrible performance. I don't know if that gas was like that wasn't that was yeah that was the I was that's the one I was going to the UFC Vancouver one, you know what I mean like which was awful because that was that Bader card wasn't it? Um, uh, that was Johnson Bogatinov. That was the Demetrius. Uh, the uh, I thought Ryan Bader was on the headline of that card when Woodley was on that card. No, so the Roy McDonald Bader was on that card, but he was not headlining. Okay, he wasn't headlining, but I remember the Bader fight was the best fight to me on that because that's what sticks out in my head. Okay, so sorry about that. Um, no, you're okay. But, but no, the the Woodley that Woodley and that was the night that Dana White was so disgusted with him. Yeah, you know I mean that's the only reason I bring it up. So because that was the, what the fallout was after that. So like you're saying, like it just proves your point. But I'm saying his history goes so long, and my thing is. You know, yeah. you now got a chance to be a champion. You could have negotiated and said, "No, I don't want to fight Wonder Boy again right now," which would have gave the UFC more marketing uh, power. But you would have had more negotiating power against them, and then given them something to market. You know, down the road after your next title defense, which gives you an opportunity to make more money. So I don't, you know, like yeah. that. That whole situation just doesn't sit well with me. So that's why I'm not that excited about that card. But like I well, said that. The the fight before that fight is the one for me with Tony Ferguson and Khabib. The stuff with Woodley, and here's my second point. The stuff with Woodley also seems very contrived. Very contrived. Seems to me like somebody put a bug in his ear that, hey, man, you, you're not going to be able to be – because I think he was genuinely – here, hear me out on this, because I, I think I'm right. I, I think I'm totally right at what I'm about to say. So hear me out. He, he goes into New York. He's fighting Thompson. People start booing him at the mm-hmm. press conference. I, I think that he was shocked. Like, I genuinely think he was like, whoa. Like, these people hate me for no reason, right? I genuinely think that he was shocked, which, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but you're fighting Mr. Rogers. Like, Stephen Thompson is one of the most likable people in the UFC. I mean, like, to, to your point real quick, his nickname is Wonder Boy. Go ahead. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, he is one of the most likable people in the UFC. Of course they're going to boo you, Tyron Woodley. Like, what did you expect? But I think he was genuinely shocked. So I think after this fight, when they, you know, and then when they announced the rematch, I think somebody put a bug in his ear and said, hey, man, you're not going to be able to out-nice Stephen Thompson. So you need, in order to get the promotion that you need, you need to go full-on WWE heel. You need to be the absolute villain. You need to be the antithesis of Wonder Boy Thompson. Right? You need to be the polar opposite of what Stephen Thompson is. Because being in the middle is never good. Nobody wants to be in the middle. If, whether you're a podcast, whether you're a fire, regardless, right? you, you either need to be 
extreme or not extreme at all, right? Like don't hover in the middle because you're never going to have success. So I think someone said that to Woodley. He said, oh, okay, what's the opposite of Stephen Thompson? This thing. So that's what he's doing. I think it's all a show. I, I genuinely think it's 100% just a show. I mean, I will say this. He might. I mean, I, I, I will. I will say this. There is merits to his argument because the UFC. Sure. I mean, it, it took a long time, you know, for you know African American fighters, and the problem is this: you know, fighters are treated badly in general, and that's a whole another conversation for another podcast. So, like, you know what I mean? So, it, it's going to trickle down to yeah, it goes then to race and other issues and whatnot. But like we, like we've articulated, you know. I mean, the guy had a, a terrible performance. Next thing you know, he takes you know time off, and then he's the champ. You know what I mean? Like he gets a title shot, then he's the champ, and then he, he yeah. like you said, he turns full heel. I think that's just a bad look. And to go back to the women's division real quick, I thought it was a bad look too for Amanda Nunes um, to try to do that against Rousey. You know, mm-hmm. like that whole thing. And I, I got into a thing. It wasn't a big thing. He's a good friend of mine, a guy that runs at Chick Fights Rock which is a great shout-out to him. But, you know, we were going back and forth after that fight because I was so disgusted by that. You need to forget Ronda Rousey. Listen, you wouldn't even be able to get this fight, make that money, and get this kind of reaction from fans if there wasn't any was Ronda Rousey. So how are you going to literally say that as she's stumbling out of the ring? Like, it's just a, it was a bad form. And then, full circle, you know, two weeks ago, she's apologizing on Twitter all over the place. So it's like, you know, be real or be fake. You know, do choose one or the other. Like yeah. you said, there's, don't be in between. So, uh, uh, but uh, needless to say. Um, well, and, and that's sort of what Rousey did, right? After the fight, Rousey just did her typical thing where she just walks away, right? Doesn't shake her hand, doesn't do anything, right? So Rou- Rousey played it smart, which was, and then she didn't talk to the media, right? Like she said, I'm not talking to the media. So at no point did she talk to media, right? Mm-hmm. She she said that she hated Nunez, so the whole time after the fight, she hasn't talked about her, right? Like, she she's doing what you're supposed to do, which is pick one thing and go with it, <laughs> you know? If you're going to be a certain way, then be that way. And most of it is fake, and most of it's contrived. Like, sorry to, sorry to like, burst people's bubbles, but most of the way that these fighters act is not who they really are. I've talked to a lot of fighters. I assure you, their personas are not who they are, right? They're just not. They're doing things based off of, of managers and marketers are telling things to them, and they're doing them. I mean, that's just how it is. You know? And, that, and that's, what, that, that's what really yeah. sucks, though, because um, they – and I think they get the pressure from looking at other fighters that actually have real personalities and actually are real good fighters. With doing it. Yeah. Or just been successful with doing it. And they think that, oh, it's all about mouth. It's like, no, no, no. You know what I mean? Conor McGregor, without being able to support what he was doing, right, isn't isn't what he is, right? Like, he can talk all he wants. If he's not going out there and knocking 90% of the people that he fights out, it doesn't mean anything, right? All of it's fake. All of it falls on deaf ears. So you have to have have both. Um, I will say that, like, not talking crap you know, you're also not, you could be the greatest fighter ever and still not get anywhere if you're not willing to talk. So there, there needs to be a balance, but I think Cody Garbrandt might be that balance, right? Like I think that's the guy, just to kind of segue into that, I think Cody Garbrandt might be that guy who can kind of balance that out a little bit, you know, which is, hey, let me show you how good I am. And also, you know, I'm not that bad on the mic either, but he's no Conor McGregor, right? He's not 
driving around in a Bentley and, you know, do whatever it is that Conor McGregor is doing. And I don't think that he's ever going to be that way. Oh, you're not following Cody on uh, – you must not be following Cody on IG because that Mercedes is, is smoked out and it's I know. awesome. It's you know true. what I mean? Like, I, I have seen that. I have seen that. It is almost like, there's a very, it's very true. I guess I, I, guess I missed the boat because that is very, very true. But, but I will say this for Cody, though. He's going about it in a very different way because I think it's also two different – like I feel like growing up where Connor did is very different than growing up with Cody. But I think Cody – See, here's the thing, and I just read, literally, he just had an article in GQ, and he always, he he's a genuine dude, um, but I think he understands the game of it, and I think he got that from, like, uh, being out there with Team Alpha Male, Uriah and those guys, the thing that they got going with that whole fraternity slash, you know what I mean, you know, like machismo thing that they put out, but those guys can also fight. They crank, they, you know what I mean? Like, they, they know, you know what I mean, their techniques. And I think that's what could have been the best marriage for him. Um, and we talked to him on our podcast right before he jumped to the UFC. He was having his last fight in Canton. Um, and so, you know, it, it's one of those things to see his journey come full circle. And then I was there in Cleveland for the Stipe fight, and I saw him backstage when he was doing some press right before the weigh-ins. And I was just talking to him, and I asked him about the title match because it was it was being rumored right then. The guy looked me in the eye, and was like, "Oh yeah, it's happening." And he's like, "And I'm gonna win." And I just, you know what I mean. But that was the same way he talked when he was, you know, fighting for NAFS. You know what I mean. So it's not like to me this is this is just a personality that people hadn't seen. But it's being personified, and it's a good way to go about it. Now, do I agree with him storming, acting like he's going to another TV studio to fight Cruz for free? No. But you know what I mean? Like you said, certain parts yeah. of it, you got to go ahead and go full on. Um, you can't be in the middle. So, um, And we're going to get to that possible fight. The other guy that does that well that I was about to go to is the Count, Michael Bisbang, who – um, Ooh, Michael right. Bisbing, who uh, that Yo Romero calling into his radio show and that whole thing this week was unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah. And the fact that, that he he's he's now sticking this carrot out there for Yo Romero to make it look like he's ducking this fight is just hilarious to me, and it's good for sport. That's a perfect example of what we're talking about of how you can do it. Well, and there's no love lost there. I think both of them kind of like each other, you know. Oh yeah, I cer- I certainly think that uh, I certainly think that Romero likes Bisping. I don't know if Bisping actually doesn't like uh, Romero, but I think on the other side, I think Romero genuinely does like Bisping. Um, Romero is such an interesting guy. I thought setting up the GoFundMe for for Michael Bisping was the one of the best things that he did. Oh yeah, uh, I don't know if you've heard about that. He sets up the GoFundMe oh, yeah. GoFundMe for his family to support him when he uh, you know gets brutalized. Yeah, for his injuries. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, he, oh, that's that's hilarious. Yeah, he calls in and records Michael Bisping accusing him of uh, uh, pooping his pants, uh, which <laughs> there are pictures that uh, support his claims. Um, it's just funny. They they, they did a, they did such a good job. I think both of them are good sport. Yeah, and I mean, that, you talk about the stories of fighters. That Yoel Romero story has to be one of the best ones um, in the yeah. fight game right now. So I can definitely see a big. A, 
big buildup to whenever those two guys fight. Now, let's get back to Michael Bisbang real quick. And this is another problem I got with the UFC right now is they uh-huh. start this, they set up this whole thing with the Reebok payouts. I haven't got to talk about this on a podcast, so I'm sorry. I know you probably talked about it many times. But they set up this whole oh, thing okay. with the Reebok payouts. Then we got people now who want to set up these super fights and do what Conor McGregor did and win two belts. Now we got Bisbang talking about fighting Woodley. That was one of those rumors that these guys were trying to negotiate without the UFC and uh, being at the table, like they were just going to be able to schedule a fight whenever they wanted to. Um, and you even see this with some other guys jumping, you know, back and forth um, from, you know, different weight classes. What's your take on that? I mean, basically, should we get back to the days where Boss Rutten is taking on heavyweights, or should we still adhere to what the structure is supposed to be? I would say um, that this is, and I'm, and I'm glad that you worded it this way, because this is 100% the UFC's fault. Mm-hmm. You know, they are they are going about this the absolute wrong way. And you might hear some noise here as I'm stepping outside. But the biggest thing is everyone wants to blame the fighters for this. They want to say this is 100% the fighters' fault, to which I was talking about, I think it was on the recap not that long ago. But I was talking about how, listen, I, I don't think that this is the fighters' fault. The UFC needs to pay their fighters better. And until they do so, you know, you're, you're going to keep having this. You're going to keep having um, fighters asking for money fights. It, it's never going to go away. Start paying your fighters better, and then you won't have to worry about them asking for it, right? I mean, if you, if you, if you guaranteed a title defense to be for a million dollars, if you just guaranteed that, Tyron Woodley isn't trying to fight Michael Bisping, right? Yeah. He's just not. He doesn't care anymore. Right, but they're not paying them enough, so it forces them to say, "Yeah, you know, I have the bargaining power, so therefore I'm going to force you to pay me more money." And, and we talked about this a little bit. I don't want to get into this conversation because I don't know enough about it, but it's something that I think the Ali Act is trying to address, which is you're no longer under contract with any promotion. So the Ali Act is passed. You're not under contract with UFC anymore. Fighters aren't under contract with Bellator or Warwick Series of Fighting or whatever, right? All the different promotions get to bid on those fighters, you know? Yeah. And, and I, think, I think that's the way to do it. Well, there's only one problem. Are, it's, only, it's only one big problem with that. Um, there is. And I was going to say, there are issues with the Ali Act. No, 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 not even, not even with that, just with it getting passed and coming to fruition. Um, I think it's oh, going to be cool. a hard road to go just because of what happened in Cleveland last summer. Um, we had a little yeah. convention where the president of UFC was invited to speak by our current president of the United States. And so if you can't draw those connections right there and think that they're going to be passing legislation left and right, where uh, right. <laughs> we got fights yeah. over executive orders right now, um, you think we're going to get the Ali Act passed easily? I don't, you know, so in my former life, I was involved in politics and at state legislature level and things like that. So uh, it's not easy to pass legislation, especially when it comes to sports, where a lot of that stuff is uh, so archaic. I mean, even yeah. if you look at the way the, uh, and that's, once again, we're getting into the podcast. We're so be talking about fights for this year, but it, it just, if you just look at the way the governing bodies act in each one of these states, which is also an archaic system. So um, that's yeah. the only reason I bring that up. But that's definitely it, 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 it was definitely worth mentioning. I'm glad you it brought it up. 
Um, let's get to these Ohio fights. We know it's exciting. We, you, we talked about Cody Garbrandt. He's on that tough 25 season against T.J. Dillashaw. And i got to say this, man. Uh, Lord knows I'm a big fan of Cody. But that performance by – the performance by T.J. Dillashaw against John Lineker, I did not – you talk about surprises. I did not see that coming. The John Lineker had been knocking people out and, you know, going to the body on people with those uppercuts um, like it was nobody's business. And uh, T.J. Dillashaw just took them apart. Yeah, I mean, that was as impressive as the uh, Cody Garbrandt finish, to be honest with you. Um you know, which was night before it. It wasn't the fight. Wasn't the fight? It wasn't the fight right before it, but it was on the same card. Yeah, it was on the same card. It was one of the first yeah. uh, lead-off fight, lead-off fights. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and what what a huge, what a huge win there. You know, because it, it got overshadowed a little bit by what Cody Garbrandt did, which I don't think anybody was expecting. And if that's what you were expecting, if you said, "Ooh, Cody Garbrandt is going to outclass." Uh, you know, uh, Dominic Cruz in a five-round decision, okay? If you predicted that, prove it. Prove it. Send, no. send me a screenshot of something and prove <laughs> that that's what you predicted. Because I don't believe you. I mean, period. Like, there's I, no I thought, way that people were predicting that. I thought Cody could win, but I thought Cruz was going to go the same way that Connor did in that second Diaz fight because he is so good with his leg kicks. I thought he was going to try to chop Cody down. And he did not even – I mean, he did throw some, but he didn't throw enough. And that was the thing that was – that was the one thing that stood out to me watching that fight. It's like, this is not the Cruz that I'm used to seeing. So Cruz was just so far off his game. Um, it was amazing. Amazing performance. Amazing performance. I don't know if he was that much off his game as much as Cody just – man, I mean, maybe Cody is that good. I mean, I don't know. Well, here's the thing about Cody I'll bring up, too. We haven't – this guy was a a, a, a high-level state wrestler, um, state championship-level wrestler. We haven't seen him wrestle yet in the octagon. That was the thing that I thought that was going to come into a little bit of play because you know how Cruz likes to press people in dirty box, so I thought Cody would try to get a couple takedowns, which he did, but it wasn't. It didn't play out that way. You know what I mean? Like, so the, the, whole, the whole fight took a turn that I didn't even see coming whatsoever, like you said. I Like nobody could see coming. Um, and that's what you talk about being good, but you look at that matchup with Dillashaw coming off of that season of tough, which is definitely going to bring some uh, entertainment, you know, every week for the UFC. Um, so people should definitely check that out uh, with all those Team Alpha Male guys there and Dillashaw and, and uh, Dwayne Bang Ludwig. You know, um, it, it's definitely going to be the animosity that's already built in with that storyline, but that fight is going to be unbelievable because we know T.J. Dillashaw likes to go – I almost say like Pacquiao style, where he wants to touch you up as much as possible, get in and out. And Cody, you don't, I don't know what to expect now. I really don't know. I mean, what he, I mean, he's almost capable of anything of beating Dillashaw after that performance with Cruz. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, the other one I would like to get your take on, and we want to talk about is Steve Abiocha's title defense. And we talked about how Tyron Woodley felt being as a champ. Um, being treated as a champion by the UFC, Stipe is getting this a little bit too. And this was a—it was a weird thing when I saw the rumor, and um, that he was going to fight JDS again. Because you remember what happened after that Cleveland title defense against Overeem. JDS was going yeah. nuts. 
you know, trying to get Stipe to agree to a match. He got caught on camera, and Stipe's looking at him like, dude, like, you know, like, yeah, I thought it was a real disrespectful move, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. to even handle it in that manner, but, you know, hey, the perseverance pays off because JDS got his title uh, rematch. I mean, got his well, title JDS, When JDS did a good job by kind of not taking any fights, although he was supposed to fight Stephen Struve, uh, Ooh, next week is when he was supposed to fight Stephen Struve, but that wound up getting canceled. But Struve got hurt, didn't he? The best thing that ever happened is it, yeah. Struve got hurt, yeah. Shoulder. Yeah. So, Which has been a sad uh, case for him. He's one of my favorite. The skyscraper is one of my favorite fighters. Um, but Yeah, he's an interesting guy. I mean, he, he's been, he, he's kind of, again, he's another guy that hasn't really lived up to what people thought he could be. Um, but, he but it's almost like a... Going, Oh, I was just going to mm-hmm. throw this comparison. It's almost like a Greg Oden syndrome because the guy's health has yeah. been the thing that's kept him out of the octagon. Yeah, yeah, but he hasn't been the most active of fighters. And but the guys he's lost to are like Mark Hunt and Overeem, right? And Travis Brown early on, and Roy Nelson again early on. So it's not like he's losing to just no-name people, although he did lose to Jared Rolschultz, but Jared Rolschultz just has a tendency to make fights really, really ugly, um, which I was shocked that the UFC let Jared Rolschultz go, right? When they mm-hmm. let him go, I was like, wow, they let him go? Like, how crazy? Well, then he goes into the World Series of Fighting and gets knocked out in his first fight. You're yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe that's why they let him go. <laughs> Um, and speaking of Overeem and Hunt, that fight's coming up. Um, I actually think that's going to be a good one. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm excited I am, for. I'm um, not looking forward to it just because the storyline is just so terrible. Yeah, you know, oh, he, I'll tell you this. Overeem's going to find a way to sell that fight. I'm going to tell you that right now. That I guy know. always and does. Hope, he always he does. <laughs> I hope he wins, but I don't see how he could. Like, his only issue is his chin, and we all know that. Everybody knows that that's his only issue is his chin. Well, you're going up against the hardest hitter in the UFC. Like, what? Like, what do you? What do we? What do we really expect is going to happen here? But here's another so, guy. That's another guy that was a slow starter. Sometimes um, after his yeah. pride days, when you talk about that chin got checked, you know he was never really the same. And you know, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you a quick story that I didn't share with the podcast. So the Cleveland event was so awesome because everybody was running around. But Overeem, one of his trainers, was walking by uh, the taco place I was hanging out, and I seen the shirt. I was like, "Hey, man, you might want to take that shirt off walking down the streets of Cleveland this time of night." You know what I mean? I was just joking with him, and we got to talking for a second. And I told him, and I would say this to Alistair too, if I. I was like, hey, man, I like the fact that you bounced back and you brought your game back after the whole uh, possible steroid, did you dope, did you not dope, whole controversy. And the guy made it back to a championship level. Now, you know, he did get beat by Stipe, but you know what I mean? Like, at least he's competing again at a high level. And, you know, it's not the same overing we remember, but, you know, I still enjoy watching him fight. That's why I'm excited about that one. You still with me? Hello. My mic cut out. Can oh, you're all good. Right, wait, I know we can My wrap it up. We're getting a little long, man. I get excited, man. I oh, haven't no, talked to okay. MMA. We can wrap it up, though. Oh, um, you're okay. No, I love it. No, my mic cut out when I was talking. I, I put it on mute because I, I don't like uh, background noise. I got you. I'm glad you can. I'm glad you can edit this stuff. <laughs> no, yeah, no, we're all good. We're all good. Let, let's get back to that Stipe JDS fight real quick, though. Um, JDS two. I mentioned a part earlier 
of Stipe getting robbed out there in Arizona. Um, yeah, I don't like this fight where it's located. I would rather the fight be in Vegas. I know it can't be back in Ohio that quickly, even though yeah. you know that, that Cleveland event um, was one of the highest gates for the UFC. I think it was yeah, like the third. I'm, I'm, really the, hoping, I'm really hoping that at the end of the year we can get both of those guys on, on a Cleveland card. I think they would. I think that card would end up probably being in either Columbus or Cincinnati. They would find some way because oh, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to go back to Cleveland, um, even though it was so successful there. It was so many hoops for them to jump through to get that event off there uh, with the. Let's do Cincinnati. I'm, I'm forty minutes away from Cincinnati. Let's do it. Oh yeah, and then we can, pro- of course, always honor the great Ace Rich Franklin, who would probably come out for that oh, one. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. that would be awesome. Um, but, yeah, I, I I just don't like him fighting in Dallas. I don't know why. That just sticks out to me. Um, I do not like that. I feel that's a little bit of a uh, – the UFC's bending over backwards to take care of JDS on this one. And it just – that's I think that's why Steve Ace Camp's upset. He might feel not be feeling the love from the UFC. The other problem is, though, all these champions have right now – and this is another thing that I didn't understand, the timeliness of Woodley's, you know, uh, remarks – is that the UFC is going through a changeover right now. We saw them get rid of one of Ohio-owned broadcasting legend with Mike Goldberg, which I was so happy to hear the news. He might be coming to Bellator, so he might get back on the mic because that was ridiculous to see him in the crowd in Arizona. The UFC wouldn't even hook the guy up with some front-row tickets. So uh, I, Terrible. When, when that comes to it, uh, I think we're going to see this come full circle. And then just to mention a couple other guys, um, you brought up uh, World Series of Fighting. I can't wait to see what they do with Lance Palmer as he's uh, still going to St. Ed's product and uh, Ohio State Buckeye. And then uh, just on a local level, I think a guy who has been making his name internationally and trying to get back up to the big promotions as Daniel uh, Daniel the Dragon Spawn, you know, who we've interviewed on this podcast, is a great dude and um it's just brutally honest, and he has the personality that I think will uh, showcase a lot, along with a great fight skill. So, yeah, and he, um, I was looking at topology. His they rank him out of Pennsylvania and not out of Ohio. Do you know why that is? I think because he's moved around for a couple of gyms. He's originally from Texas, but I know he fights out of Ohio because he's down at Ronan Training Center right now. He does a lot of Ronan Training Center. He goes up to Strong Style, um, but. He might have been fighting. They might have him out of there because he fought in a promotion. He fought in um, a promotion out of Philly, and he was holding two titles for them. That's why. He was okay. holding a heavyweight title and a levy, light, I want to say light heavyweight title, both. Um, the, his biggest fight, uh, uh, he fights for, uh, what does it stand for? CFFC out of Philadelphia. Um, this is just off the top okay. of my head, but um, that's why. That that's probably why they have him uh, listed there because that was the last um, heavyweight title. I know he was just up in Canada taking. Uh, he was just successful in the fight, so shout out to him, man. Um, yeah, great guy. And uh, so there's a, he he well, was, was honest about research. Oh, real quick, he just was real honest about what helped his game was going to see a sports psychologist. So we talked about oh, yeah. like fighters developing personalities and dealing with a lot of things. That was one of the things that said credited him with being able to get back to road to success. I've interviewed a mental coach on my podcast, um, uh, Chuck Jordan from Fight Brain. Uh, he's a mental coach, professional mental coach. He works with like Ben Nguyen, uh, probably probably Namely, and a couple other guys in the UFC. Uh, he was fantastic. Um, just the stuff I learned. He's a hippie, the hypnotherapist. So just the importance, the the uh, the importance on 
mental toughness and just having the right attitude and optimism and and uh, goal setting and, and it's just it, it was really really interesting just to learn like truly realize how important that stuff is. I mean, it's probably the most important thing to fighting. Um, a guy who so I was doing some research in Ohio fighters because I don't really follow a lot of Ohio guys um, kind of specifically like because they're from Ohio, you know. Uh, but there's a guy named John Gunther who seems to be climbing up here. I mean, he's one of the top-ranked guys in Ohio. Um, he's ranked number one at lightweight, number two at featherweight, according to Tapology. He's in the top 30 in the Midwest. Uh, he's already fought this year and won. Uh, he has a submission on his record, knockouts on his record, and decisions on his record, which you'd like to see, like a well-rounded in- individual. Absolutely. Uh, his his third fight, he beat um, Pringle, who was one of the top guys in Ohio, who was seven and four at the time. He was he was two and zero oh at the time. So yeah, I mean he's five and zero oh now uh, in his pro uh, in his pro. I don't care about amateur, but in his amateur, he had you know seven or eight wins. He fought like ten times as an amateur, which is I mean you can basically make your amateur yeah you can basically make your amateur record what you want it to be. But go ahead. <laughs> But that no, but that's good. But what you want to see out of an amateur record is a lot of fights. I don't like when I see a young guy who's four and five and zero oh who doesn't have a lot of amateur fights mm-hmm. because okay. that's that's not a good sign to me. It means that they rushed. Mm-hmm. Um, so what? So I like that he took his time. He fought eight times as an amateur over the course of two and a half years. That means a lot to me. And then he comes in as a pro, and now he's five and zero oh, with two pretty legitimate wins on his record. You know, his last win was pretty legitimate, and his third win there against Pringle was a very legitimate win. Um, he fought, what, four times in tw- – no, twice in 2016, twice in 2015, and then he's already fought in 2017. So that's a guy he's, – he's a little bit older. He's 31. I, I understand that that's not old by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, that is something to monitor, right? Like he needs to try to get in the UFC within the next – two years here, you know, you don't want to be going into the UFC when you're 35, uh, although that has also been successful. Ryan James began his career at age 35. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, you'd like to see him get in there, but that's a guy who I'm going to monitor now. I, I, I saved him on my topology thing, on my account, so I could monitor him and see where he's at. I'm going to go out to one of his fights, because he's in Ohio, of course, so I want to go out and watch him. No, definitely. Might meet up on that one because I'll definitely go. To, I'm about to really get back into the Ohio scene. I was doing it before I uh, moved to Virginia for a couple of years, and now I'm back. So I'll definitely be getting into the Ohio scene and make sure we can get more of these fighters on the podcast uh, with an Ohio bias. And it'll definitely be you'll be seeing the retweets and information. And I'm pretty sure, uh, Kyle, we'll be doing more podcasts with uh, in conjunction with that loaded MMA. So, um, because I oh, mean, I, I can't get enough touch talking about it. You know, I mean, if you can't tell, I, I, <laughs> I told you I was up all night, but I mean, I, I got fired up, so it didn't take much, you know, to light the speed. Hey, no, we, we were good. And again, it's loud mouth MMA. Loud mouth, loud mouth. Sure loaded, loaded. I don't know. Don't get confused with loaded Joe's. Yeah, no, okay, my bad. Loud mouth MMA, oh, loud okay. mouth MMA. Yeah. No, I'm saying it so I can use it again. And, uh, oh, okay. That's the only reason. So, uh, but we want to thank you, Kyle, so much for joining us on the podcast. Definitely excited about a double. We are hoping these Ohio champions can hold those belts, hold those straps, yeah. so we can get that double di- title defense in Ohio. And we will oh, definitely nice. be checking loaded loudmouth MMA 
we'll be checking Loudmouth MMA for all the great stuff and all those great interviews. Because the one thing about podcasts, you were talking about even with the doctor from Fight Brain, you can always go back and learn something in an interview, even if it isn't, you know, in its current time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's why I, I like those A Day in the Life episodes, um, because they're there forever, I think. You know, there, there's there, there's going to be stuff in there that's a little bit dated, but for the most part, they're going to last forever. Like, I talk to a referee, and the stuff that we talk about is pretty much going to be forever. You know, I talk to a nutritionist. You know, the stuff that we talk about is pretty much going to be forever. So you can go back and listen to those whenever. You know, and the interviews, I do something a little different than other people, which is when I interview someone for a specific event, in parentheses, I put the event that I'm interviewing them for. So that way you know, oh, okay, if I'm going to listen to this interview, it's going to be heavy talking about that event. Where if we're not talking about a specific event, I don't put anything, right? I just put their name, interview with, whatever, and then that's it. Where, again, a lot of people don't do that. And when I was listening to MMA podcasts, that's something that I wanted to change. So a lot of times there's, there's a quote that says, be the change you want to see in the world. Now, this isn't that intense. It's a, it's a MMA podcast, right? Like, I'm not taking myself too seriously. But on some level, I said, okay, I want to be the change that I want, right? Like, there are things that I, I don't like about some of the MMA podcasts that are out. So instead of complaining about it, go do, go do the different things that you want to see, right? Like, go be that person who does that stuff. So that was one of the things that I wanted to change. That's basically how our podcast started, too. It was, you know, let's get off the text message machine and stop arguing with each other and, you know, put it on wax, as they used to say about the rap lyrics. Uh, but, you uh-huh. know, what I mean, so, <laughs> uh, why not rant and rave and let people listen to it? And um, the interaction is always good. Like you said, if people hate it, we always like that because that just lets you know they're listening. Um, and the other great thing that you did, uh, you had one of the legends of the cage, one of the originators of MMA. Um, and we give a shout-out to Brian Moore, who I just did a great podcast with about the tour that they do to help kids coming to, back to Ohio. But uh, you interviewed Gary Big Daddy Goodrich, who I know is always honest about you know some of the issues that he has from his day in the, in the cage, but he also talks about you know the good things as well. So um, that's another great interview. People can go back. That is definitely timeless. Yeah, what I liked about talking to him was that I got a sense when, when we first started talking, so a lot of interviews, you've interviewed people, so you know how this works. You get a sense of, like, how comfortable they feel talking about a certain thing. So when we started talking, we started digging into his past, I just got a feeling that he wasn't super, super comfortable. Like, that, that isn't what he wanted to talk about. And I think sometimes it's maybe that's all he ever talks about, right? Anyone who ever talks to him asks him about pride, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I don't know, I got a feeling. I'm like, I don't know if this is what he wants to talk about. So then I brought up Ronda Rousey because she had just lost, and that's when I was interviewing him. As soon as I brought up Ronda Rousey, boom. I mean, it was like, it was like a, a fire got lit. And all of a sudden, he just gets going. He starts talking about how he's going to, and sorry for my language, but talk about how he's going he's gonna to wipe his ass with Travis Brown and, I mean, it was great. He just started going off, and it led to such a, an awesome conversation. And I, and I, there was a lot of lessons to learn from that. When I got off the phone, I went, you know what? Like, a lot of these older guys, because I've talked to a couple. I haven't posted them yet, but I've talked to a couple guys, and the same rings true. A lot of times, people ask them the same questions, and they're kind of tired of talking about it. 
So I try to talk about it because I know people want to hear it, so I get to that. But then we start talking about everything else, man. Like, if I could talk to them about, like, you know, Ford trucks, and I want to talk to them about Ford trucks. You know what I mean? Anything I can do to just make it to where that interview is a unique experience for them. So that way they're not just – because you can tell, man, when you're listening to an interview or you're doing an interview, you can tell when it's being phoned in. I've had a couple interviews. It's just being phoned in. The person I'm talking to does not want to be there. Their manager's telling them that this is what they need to do, right? They don't want to be there. They don't want to have this conversation. They're tired. They're annoyed. They're whatever, right? And you just, you get that feeling. So I try really hard to just be like, okay, do something unique, right? If I can tell that the person is just like, yeah, we're going to go out there and get that big win, you know what I mean? Like those generic things that people tell you. If I see that that's happening, I'm like, all right, let's talk about something entirely different. All right, let's completely shift the conversation to something that no one has ever talked to you about in a podcast, right? And then I do that, and then I go back to the current fight, and it's amazing. Now all of a sudden they're, they're, there's a light there. Now they're talking about the fight, and they're actually giving you unique information as opposed to just spitting out the same thing they told a string of podcasts right in a row. Absolutely. So for anybody who's interested in doing a podcast, there you go. There's my tip to you if you're interviewing people. It's, you can tell when it's being phoned in. So do your best to just create a unique experience for them so that way they get out of that rut of just kind of saying the same thing over and over again because they hate it. They hate it, man. They, they don't like doing it as much as you don't like talking to them about it, you know? And sometimes research isn't everything. Sometimes it's just about something that you can mutually connect on. One of the things I, I, I saw, I mean, this is to bring in another story, but it was a great week, uh, weekend with that UFC event in Cleveland. I was so happy because uh, I had been, you yep. know, leading the charge for it on social media for a long time. And then um, it finally happened. But Glover Teixeira was in Harry Buffalo. So I see him. He's got the whole camp with him and whatnot. So I just walked up to him. Uh-huh. I said, hey, man, I really enjoyed that road to the uh, UFC I forget what they call the vlog series, but nevertheless, my point was I enjoyed the part where you paid homage to, you know, Mike Mike Tyson and Customato's gym. You know what I mean? And his his eyes light lit up. You know what I mean? He's like, man, wow, thank yeah. you. You know what I mean? Like you, you, it's not just, hey, so happy to meet you. Oh, can you sign my shirt? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, I yeah. don't go full fanboy, but you just, you know, I mean, it's not like they're gonna remember me or whatnot. But if he's something that, you know, maybe they just you know can connect with that it's real you know that's all i try to do you know and like we had this conversation you just want to have a real conversation with people and i think that's the best thing that can come out of podcasts as well you know because everybody's trying to do one now let's be frank but everybody can't do it well so there it is yeah i agree and i and i i think it's definitely worth trying but yeah it, it is it's it's hard to do it's hard I mean, this is not an easy thing to do you there's things that you can learn to get better but you also just have to have a knack for it I mean, you have to have a knack for having conversations. And conversations include active listening, which active listening is one of the hardest things in the world to do because most people don't do it. I don't do it a lot. You know, it's something that I'm continuously trying to work on is being an active listener because the better listener you are, the better you are going to be at a conversation. If you look at guys like Bob Costas, right, doing interviews, he is an incredible listener, right? He can, he can capture a word that you said and intermingle that with something you said five minutes prior and form something like, oh, well, earlier you said this, and then you said this, and you meant this. What does that mean, right? Like, that's active listening, and that's not easy to do because a lot of times words just kind of blend together. 
Um, but yeah, kind of like you said too, like just having a conversation, like how fun was this, right? Just to be able to listen to, right? If you're still listening, like how fun is it to listen to somebody having a, just a genuine conversation, right? Like it's much better to listen to, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's my favorite podcast because I've always got them on in the background if I'm working probably on our site for the podcast. But you know what I mean? It's just that you want you want it to be like you feeling like you're sitting there and you're just uh, maybe you just, you know, <laughs> you just didn't jump in in the exchange. But at least you're right there listening yeah. to the whole thing nodding your head. So that's what, that's what makes podcasting fun. Um, and if I was yeah. active listening, I would have known to be able to tell everybody to make sure you're following at Loudmouth MMA. So, you know what I mean? And make sure you're checking out that podcast there. So, there it is, full thank circle. You. Uh, we, thank, thank we, you, thank. Th- we thank Kyle so much from Loudmouth MMA for joining us on the podcast. Uh, get the plugs in one more time where everybody can get your podcast and how they can follow you Absolutely. on social media. Yes, sir. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Loudmouth MMA. You can find me. Uh, I'm very, very active on Twitter, so that's probably the best place to get at me. But then again, the Facebook is also very, very active. We do live fight companions. Anything that's posted is always coming from me. No one else is doing it. Um, those are the big things. And then the podcast itself, pretty much wherever you can listen to podcasts, we're not on YouTube, but other than that, we're everywhere else. So Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, we're everywhere. Uh, and I don't care where you listen to it, man. As long as, long as you are guys, I guess, they're and women, right? <laughs> but I, I say a lot of those, like, you know, uh, I don't even know what you call them. They're not pronouns, but I call everyone a man, like, regardless of who they are. Or if it's, like, a group of people, it's still man. But uh, anyway, um, I would say, you know, you can listen to us wherever. Like, I don't have a specific place where, like, I don't care how high my ranking is on iTunes. I don't care. As long as people are listening to it, that's all that matters. So if you want to listen to it on SoundCloud, then listen to it on SoundCloud doesn't matter to me. Absolutely. And we're always happy just to get that one person that listens every week. So, you know, that's what we do here. Well, no, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> uh, we're one real quick funny note. Um, you talk about, you know, saying, man, I was interviewing uh, a young lady yesterday who's a bodybuilder and broadcaster herself, but she was talking about, you know, her daughter and with something. And, like, she was, like, she said to her, she referenced a conversation with her daughter, and she was like, dude, and it just made me crack up. I literally had to press mute during the interview because I was just laughing so hard about yeah. that. But, um, yeah, yeah, thanks a lot for joining the podcast, Kyle. We appreciate your for time. Sure, man. Yeah, thanks. I like what you guys are doing, and hopefully we can get together in person sometime soon. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> yes, sir. We will talk soon. All right, take care. Bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.